I really believe that no Christian has a job. Every Christian has a ministry. I'm convicted by those words in Acts chapter 8, verse 4, that these persecuted Christians who fled from Jerusalem, they were scattered, and everywhere they scattered, they scattered the word. And so I believe that's true with every Christian, that if we're in a vocational context, we don't have a job, we have a ministry. If we are bakers, we are there ultimately not just to bake bread, but to tell people about the bread of life. If we are geologists, we're not there just to sell diamonds on rings, but to tell people about the pearl of great price. We don't have jobs. We have ministries. And yet sometimes those vocational jobs will prepare us for ministry. Moses served as a shepherd in Midian, even though he was the adopted son of Pharaoh's daughter, born in royalty, going to the best schools in Egypt. And yet God used those 40 years in Midian when he served as a shepherd for a 40-year ministry in leading Israel. His vocational ministry prepared him for his spiritual ministry of leadership in leading people. And so I keep that principle in mind. Young man, young woman, you don't have a job, you have a ministry. And you may start with a vocational job, but know that even on that vocational job, God has called you to ministry, to represent him in that context. You are listening to Dr. Robert Smith, professor of Christian preaching at Beeson Divinity School in Birmingham, Alabama. As Dr. Smith so eloquently stated, every Christian has a ministry, and even some serve in vocational ministry. This week, I sit down with Tony Morita. Tony is pastor of Preaching and Vision of Imago Day Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. He's also the dean of Grimke Seminary and director for theological training for Acts 29. Tony has written several books, including The Christ-Centered Expositor and multiple volumes in the Christ-Centered Exposition Commentary series. On this episode of Christians You Should Know, we're going to explore Tony's story and his journey into full-time vocational ministry. T-Bone, Tony Marita, how are you, man? I'm doing well. It's great to be with you. Good to be with you. What did you have for breakfast this morning? It's interesting you asked that, Ethan, because I almost have the same exact thing for breakfast every day except for today. <laughs> so usually I have two boiled eggs and avocado toast and an apple uh, and two cups of coffee. That's spread out over a two-hour period of time. You're a uh, hipster eating avocado yeah, toast. Yeah, I am. I am. Uh, but today we have a house guest and she was making an omelet when I walked downstairs and she asked me if I wanted an omelet and I wasn't going to turn that down. So what kind today of omelet I had uh, a bacon, cheese and uh, gluten free bread uh, with uh, with the omelet. Well, I know um, a lot of people listening may know you, but for those who don't know you, this is Tony Marita. Um, tell us about your role, kind of where we're, at, we're sitting at now in your office at Imago Day Church, but also with Axway 9. Um, what does Tony Marita do on an everyday basis? Yeah, so I have a couple of titles. So I'm pastor for preaching and vision here at Imago Day. Our church is turning 10 years old this year. Uh, we moved up here a little over 10 years ago to plan this church. Uh, along the way, I uh, 
I've, I've done some teaching at various institutions and uh, seminaries and currently uh, direct all of our theology and training for Acts 29, which is a church planting network. Uh, we plant churches, help to plant churches uh, around the world. And so I oversee all of our training. Uh, I'm in leadership in uh, the primary seminary in, in America associated with Acts 29 called Grimke, which is just a little over a year old. Uh, and then I'm also spearheading all of our writing projects uh, with publishing and with our blogging and podcast. And so just a lot of training, a lot of content, and a lot of uh, resources that are hopefully helpful in advancing uh, the cause of church planting. So the topic of today would be you, uh, Tony Marita, and vocational ministry. So a lot of what you just talked about was your role in, as a vocation in ministry. But how did you get to where you are today? I know that uh, you are from Kentucky, which we'll talk about that, which the unifying factor between us is we both hate Duke. <laughs> that's true. That's true. So I'm a UNC fan. You're a Kentucky fan, which <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we can unify on, on our hatred towards Duke. But uh -huh. tell us how you got here um, and how you got to where you are today. I cannot believe I get to do what I do. I, I don't know who coined the phrase, if you ever see a turtle on top of a fence post, you can know one thing for sure, he didn't get there by himself. Uh, I, I am here by virtue of God's grace and a lot of people who've invested in my life. And uh, I was born in Detroit, Michigan, grew up in Kentucky, became a Christian when I was in college, was on a full baseball scholarship. Uh, one of my teammates led me to faith in Christ. About a year later, surrendered to vocational ministry. Uh, about a year and a half later, went to New Orleans Seminary to study, lived in New Orleans eight years, um, taught there, uh, pastored a church, went through Hurricane Katrina there, uh, had a short stay in Mississippi while I was teaching in New Orleans. Uh, I pastored a church there. Um, and um, yeah, 10 years ago, we just longed to start a church from scratch, uh, building on no one else's foundation and just trying to uh, envision what would it be like to pattern your church after the New Testament. And uh, that's what we've tried to do over the last uh, 10 years. And so now the, the church has grown uh, significantly from, from the day we started in my uh, rented house. And uh, we bought uh, a building here in North Raleigh, really prime property, just uh, a miracle of grace that we could get this property. We've been in this space for four years now and uh, slowly getting the building uh, looking good in all of its uh, nooks and crannies and the you know, different things we've been trying to do there. The staff has expanded. Our membership has expanded. Uh, we've been able to plant uh, a number of churches uh, here. We're also uh, one of the leading churches within the International Mission Board in, in sending uh, missionary units overseas. We have uh, roughly 15 units who are around the world uh, proclaiming the gospel. Um, so I just look back and marvel at all of it. I'm the primary preacher at the church, so I'm preaching somewhere around 70 to 75% of the time. And we've worked our way now through about 32 books of the Bible uh, over a 10 year period. And so that's my, that's been my lifelong dream is to preach through uh, every verse of scripture. And, um, you know, I think I need at least another 10 years to be able to do that, but we're hoping we can pull it off before retirement. So when people think about vocational ministry, uh, when they hear your story, um, many people probably battling, even listeners who are listening to this podcast are saying, how do I go from a, maybe a normal vocation or ordinary vocation that which they may think to actually being in full-time ministry? How do they battle through that? Is it a calling? Um, we know scripture tells us it's something to aspire to. How, how would you say someone should walk through that? Yeah, I'd be the first two to commend bivocational ministry. Uh, in fact, when we started Imago Day with three pastors, we each had uh, a different job that was actually our source of income. And 
um, provided benefits and that sort of thing. Mine happened to be at a seminary, which there's a lot of crossover in terms of what we're doing, but the other two guys were not. Uh, and so I would encourage anybody who who senses a calling, and I do think there is a calling, um, to not necessarily give up their day job, you know, and to remember uh, the Apostle Paul had a trade, and um, we, we've got plenty of great examples, there, and there, there are great benefits to having a secular vocation when it comes to doing ministry, and we could rattle through those if we wanted to. Um, but for me, I always wanted to uh, invest as much time as I could to... Uh, studying and expounding scripture to caring for people to leading uh, vision and um, it, it's hard for me to kind of separate vocations I'm kind of a task mode guy you know so the work I'm doing at the church and primarily casting vision and helping us plant churches really dovetails with the other stuff I'm doing with Acts 29 and my, my teaching ministry here at the church dovetails with uh, a lot of the writing and publication that I'm doing and so I'm really able to stay in one particular lane all the time, and that's just helpful and good for me. I really wrestled with, should I be a teacher and a coach? So I, I, I had a, a high school, uh, I, I had, my degree was in secondary education. I was planning on teaching high school and, and coaching baseball and was actually offered a job at a high school and uh, to be the baseball coach. And at that time, my dad, who is a retired factory worker who uh, never graduated high school, thought that was the best offer in the world. You know, he was like, you get your summers off, you get Christmas break, you know, um, and you got to coach baseball. And I turned it down and went to seminary and sold my beat up car, packed a trunk and flew down to go to school. And I uh, didn't really know anybody. My dad thought I was crazy. My dad was not a Christian at that time. He's since become a Christian and is my biggest fan, you know, but he, he just didn't understand it. And I wouldn't expect someone who doesn't have this worldview and this understanding of, of, you know, making disciples and the mission of Jesus to, to get there. Um, but I wrestled with, is this the right thing? Even when I went to seminary, I thought, I am not sure this is what I should be doing. Um, I'll, I'll go put my toe in the water. I may come back in a semester and pursue, uh, you know, a path of teaching uh, high school, coaching baseball, and just being a good Christian witness. Because I had also seen the impact that a coach can make on players, that high school teachers can make. There are evangelistic opportunities that people in these vocations have that I do not have on a, on a day-to-day basis. And so I, I was wrestling with, should I devote, you know, almost all of my time to, to ministry in a church, or should I just go be a faithful witness out in the marketplace? Or for me, it happened to be an education. And uh, after a lot of soul searching, a lot of dialoguing with wise Christian leaders and, um, Honestly, some 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 moments where I just sensed uh, the spirit saying, "Yes, you're you're going to be fully immersed in the work of pastoral ministry," um, and it really happened along the lines of, of two particular experiences. One was I was taking a class on church administration of all things, which I thought was the bo- most boring class, and I got in there and I loved it because we were talking about all things church, from budgets to parking lots to you know, how to do child care and, you know, how to protect people and uh, yeah, it, everything under the sun, uh, things I'd never thought about. Um, and I just started thinking during that semester, what would it be like to start a church from the ground up? Our assignment was to turn in our notes from the semester and summarize all the things that we, we learned and what we want to do in the church in light of, you know, 
all of this study. And out of that really became the, the seed of what I thought a church should look like. And along the same semester, I was reading a biography by Charles Spurgeon that was really hitting me more in the uh, inspiration aspect of my life. Of He was giving me a vision for the church. In that particular book, there's a chapter on like evangelism, Christ-centered preaching, orphan care, uh, you know, church planting, all the things that I really care about and have really built my life around. Also, the seed of that was was in this particular biography I was reading. And um, that semester really solidified for me, I, I want to be all in on this. If it's just a matter of preaching, just a matter of traveling and, and you know, doing some evangelistic meetings, I can do that as a baseball coach and a teacher. But if I want to shepherd and lead and start a church from scratch, that that's going to require all that I have to give. And so uh, through that process, I just said, you know, uh, let's go. Uh, I'm all in. And then it, then it just became a journey of figuring out details and location. And I ended up getting married and and then we adopted five kids. And so <laughs> it, it was there, there was a lot more to go after making kind of that put the stake in the ground. I'm, we're headed into vocational ministry, but that's how it shook out for me. So you gave a little teaser uh, that you were playing baseball. Someone, a base, former, another player warned you to Christ. Mm. Um, and then we fast forward, we're in seminary. What was the process in the middle there? Yeah, yeah. Um, how you fletched out your calling and knew that this is what I was going to do no matter what. So I, when I was in college, I was there my freshman year. I was a starting shortstop. I was all conference, but I had a 1.7 GPA. Uh, I almost quit. Um, my mom told me not to quit school. I was partying every night. I, I was leading the parties. You know, <laughs> the furthest thing from my mind was the gospel. And we had several actually pr pretty winsome witnesses on our team and one of them happened to be the second baseman on our team and Stephen and i did everything together we we lifted weights together we went we did our, our batting practice together um and he was funny he was uh honest he confessed his sin to me you know he i i saw in him someone that i could be who was doing the same thing that i was doing at the same stage of life and I don't think I'd ever seen a real genuine Christian in the sports world like that. And it just had so much impact on me. I'd heard many sermons before, but to see a guy that you're hitting batting practice with every single day and he's saying, man, uh, Tony, God can do amazing things with you, you know, or listen to this verse that I read today, or it was never, he never witnessed out of a self-righteousness, you know, it was all about God's grace and it just was powerful. So I, I went through a, a really bad breakup and I was broken and I was, I was empty and I tried to fill that hole with everything under the sun. And I went to an FCA service and I, I'll never forget where I was sitting and who was speaking. And I was just undone. I was, it was an Isaiah six moment. And Stephen walked over and said, Hey, uh, do you want to give your life to Christ? And I said, yeah, I don't know what that looks like. I don't, but I just, so we, we got on our knees and I just remember that there was a particular CD on and the whole CD played by the time we got up. And I was just, as best as I knew how, pouring out my heart to God and saying, I wanted to be a Christian. I wanted to follow Christ. I wanted to get rid of all of this stuff in my life. And um, it was uh, exhilarating. Uh, I was in a Bible study almost every night of the week. I was at asking dumb questions 
uh, I began to learn how to study and read and because everybody kept saying, you got to read the Bible, you got to read the Bible. And I was like, do you have all my pictures? Uh, you know, is there, is there another approach? And um, I was just, I was eating it up. And then I started speaking uh, for different schools and, and teams, just sharing my testimony. And I just remember thinking, this is better than hitting a home run. This is better than hitting a home run. Maybe your story of coming to know Christ doesn't look like Tony's, but it can be just as impactful. As Christians, it's easy to get caught up in wrestling with what God has called us to do and neglect what he has already called us to do, which is be faithful to the gospel. As you struggle to follow God's will for your life, don't neglect the powerful impact you can have for Christ right now. For Tony, the simplicity of Christian faithfulness by his friend Stephen change the course of his life forever. This episode of Christians You Should Know is sponsored by Honest Car Payment. In a world where buying a car is often misleading and dishonoring to God, Honest Car Payment has created a redeeming way to buy and refinance a car. Just listen to Aku and Lynette's story in Hawaii as they interacted with Honest Car Payment. Aloha, I'm Aku, and this is my wife, Lynette, and we're from Kalihi. When we first bought our Nissan Frontier, we thought we had a good deal, but yet we were wrong. Our interest was 24%. We called Honest Car Payment and got a new loan right away. We saved over $18,000. That type of money is going to change our life. If your car payment is too high, don't settle. You have options. Call Honest Car Payment today at 534-1234 or visit honestcarpayment.com. And so I met uh, a seminary professor who did expositional preaching, verse by verse preaching, and he did it three nights in a row on our campus at a student ministry function. And I just said, I want to do that the rest of my life. And um, so then it was just finish my degree, try to keep learning and growing as best as I could. Um, Stephen was three years older than me, so he had graduated and I became kind of the new Stephen uh, at the school. I was, uh, you know, I would, I would voice the prayer, you know, before the baseball game. Uh, I was, I was leading the Bible study now, and and, and I, so I had learned disciple making from him in that context, um, and just really wanted to grow as uh, as an expositor, as a preacher, and so that's why I went to seminary. Um, yeah, and it was it was an amazing. Th- th- those three, four, or five years were just transformative for me. So you talk about going from there to seminary. How important is the role of being prepared going to seminary? So for someone right now who's on the fence, maybe they're bivocational, mm-hmm. uh, maybe they're in a vocation, um, and they're thinking about, man, I really would love to be in vocational ministry, uh, but how do I get equipped? Mm-hmm. How do you how do you help them think through that? Yeah, so what I would say is uh, the call to preach is a call to study. Uh, the call to teach is a call to study. They're wrapped up. They're bundled together. Now, one does not need to necessarily have formal education to, to get that study but one does need to, to devote uh, himself to, to thorough study and preparation. Seminary makes a lot of sense for a lot of people because you can be immersed, you can study with experts and authors, um, but I've also known several really good pastors and preachers who do not have formal theological training at an institution, but they were mentored by a great pastor or um, someone in their family or a friend. I think of Brian Davis who who uh, planted a church in Philadelphia who used to be with us. Brian doesn't have a seminary degree, but he is a phenomenal Bible teacher. He spent a lot of time with some some leading pastors and uh, is self-taught. Um, 
there there are different avenues now these days because education's training or it's uh, it's changing. Uh, it used to be when I was a student, the primary way you got your education was you packed up and relocated and you got a, a Joe job and you're just trying to make ends meet and you're going to school. I think now there's a lot more flexibility. Uh, even Grimke, the school that we, we lead is, uh, you know, you don't have to relocate. It's affordable. It's achievable. It's, you know, 36 to 48 hours, make a couple trips up to Richmond, you know, twice a semester. Uh, the rest is online and it's in your location. You're meeting with your pastor and, and, and dialoguing. And so I think now with, with the, the, uh, the web and, and online education opportunities, there's a way that you don't necessarily need to go uh, eat ramen noodles and, and live uh, in, in a particular city like, like I did uh, in order to, to get your training. Having said that, it, it was an amazing experience for me, and I was glad I did that. Um, but I think there's a lot of flexibility. But the call to, to teach is certainly a call to prepare. So now, fast forward, um, you mentioned Grimke. Um, Grimke is a part of the Axway 9 network. It's a seminary. Tell us about what you're doing there and um, how it is an affordable option for people who are listening who maybe can't move and go to a seminary. Yeah. Um, so Grimke, um, you can, for a 36-hour degree, it's only $7,500. For a 48-hour degree, and we're t- this is a Master of Theological Studies degree, it's only $10,000. And so uh, if it, because of it, the, the uh, amount of time, and for the listeners out there, they need to know that a lot of the master's degrees in seminaries historically have been 80 to 90 hours and significantly higher in terms of expense. Um, so we really have a heart for uh, those in the urban context or those who um, are minorities, those who may feel like it's out of reach to go to uh, a leading seminary because of finances or they don't feel like culturally they, they're a good fit. Uh, we, we call ourselves the bad news bears of seminaries. Uh, we're, we're taking a lot of uh, students who probably would not go to a lot of existing seminaries for a variety of reasons. It could be cost, it could be culture. Um, a lot of our students are already pastors, and so this is wildly different as well. Um, a lot of them have been in ministry for a long time, but they're just self-taught. They've never had formal training, and they don't want to pay an exorbitant amount of money to get a degree, but they would like to actually have a degree, and they would like to have you know, a course on the Old Testament. Maybe they never had a, an actual course on systematic theology. So we're providing a, a, a nice lane, I think, for, for, for guys who um, uh, would see this as uh, you know, kind of a, a starting point for formal education, um, because we also have the, the young 20-year-olds that are coming. But it's also uh, kind of a finishing school, I would say, because our focus is on the local church. So all of our professors are pastors that are qualified to teach at a seminary level. Um, but every course they take is about their local church and their local context. Uh, and we're only training pastors and aspiring pastors. We're, and that, that focus is really keeping us uh, about the church so, you know, we're not training guys to be professors, and that's great that schools are doing that. I'm, I support that. But our focus is really just on guys who are going to be church planters and pastors. And what that does is make the school kind of a finishing school for some guys who have already a seminary degree, but maybe their seminary didn't really talk much or enough about how to do, how to work all of this out in your church context, right? Um, and so we're getting guys who maybe went to seminary 15 years ago. They have a degree, 
but they're like, you know, I, I don't want to spend endless amount of hours writing research papers. So we tailor all of our assignments to be assignments that you would use in the church. You might write a position paper that would be useful in your church or a wedding policy that you would use in your church uh, and a lot of sermons that you would preach in your church. So all of the assignments and the whole feel of, of the school is, is how can we better be better pastors? Uh, and so we say we're pastors training pastors and we want these pastors to be theologically driven. So we're not sacrificing any depth or substance, hopefully, but we are talking about how to really do this in the local church. So it's very exciting. We started this past year, which was a pandemic. Uh, and we, this, uh, semester right now is our third semester. Uh, and we have over a hundred students. And so we're thrilled with that. A lot of schools, uh, have fewer students than we do after a year. We're not trying to hit particular benchmarks in terms of enrollment, um, but we are thrilled that this many people have, have come. And we have students from California, uh, Reno, uh, Florida, New York. They're all over the, the country, Michigan. And uh, they fly in for these intensives or drive in for these intensives twice a semester. And um, so far, we've, we've got just great responses from our students, and um, I'm loving it. Tony stated that the call to ministry is a call to prepare. As a Christian, we may not go to seminary or attend formal theological education, but being equipped should be a part of our journey. There should never be a moment where we reach the height of our knowledge of the things of God. And some of you may say, well, why is theology important and why can't Jesus just be enough? Listen to Kevin DeYoung's answer to that question. I remember reading a book a number of years ago where the author was very insistent that all we need is Jesus and Jesus is enough and we don't need anything but Jesus. We don't need these fancy formulas about Jesus. We don't need all of the church's theological musings. We just need Jesus. And (laughs) that sort of argument on the face of it can sound really spiritual. I mean, who wants to, to disagree what Christian wants to say? No, we, we, we don't need Jesus. Of course we need Jesus. Of course Jesus is enough. Of course Jesus is sufficient. But when you, when you press on that a little bit, it, it hardly makes sense because when we say Jesus is enough or all we need is Jesus, we have to ask the next one, well, what is it about Jesus that makes him all that we need? Or if Christianity is all about Jesus, what is it about Jesus that we want to be all about? As soon as you start to say something about Jesus, if you say, well, it's because of what he did on the cross or because of the resurrection or because of how much he loves us or because of his teaching. Once you begin to answer the question, you've gone into the realm of theology. So folks who think, I want Jesus not theology, they don't have either because you, you can't have Jesus and have him mean something to you unless you know some propositions about him. If uh, I tell you how much I love my wife and how amazing my wife is, and then you say, well, tell me um, how tall is she? And I say, eh, I don't really know. Well, tell me what color are her eyes? I say, I'm not really into those sort of things about her. Well, not, not only would, would you question how much I really love her, you, you would wonder if I could 
pick her out in a crowd. I, I don't seem to know anything about her. I don't seem to know any propositions, any facts. I, you know, am I just speaking in vague generalities? And the same is true with Jesus. We can speak in these spiritual platitudes of how much we love Jesus, but we need theology if we're going to explain who he is, the God-man, what he accomplished on the cross in his death and resurrection, and what it means for him to be reigning at the Father's right hand, to be the second person of the Trinity, to come back again to judge the living and the dead, to send his Holy Spirit to be the very presence with us in the world. All of these things get into the realm of theology. So there is no Jesus without some theological parameters and some robust filling out and filling up of what we mean about Jesus. And, and, and he himself taught this, unless you know that I am he, unless you confess that I've come from the Father, all of these great declarations, the I am statements in the book of John, Jesus would not have had patience for people who said, I just want Jesus, you, and I, I'm not interested in learning about you in understanding what sort of Messiah you are. No, if we're going to have Jesus, we need to have theology. Well, last question for the person listening who they're not, don't necessarily feel a calling into vocational ministry, um, but they still want to be in ministry. They want to be involved. The average person, I think there's a disconnect between that. How can they best be equipped? And I think to join in the person who is in vocational ministry, how do they walk alongside um, and still see value in what they're doing? Mm. Great question. I think that can be answered in a number of ways. And I think the question needs to be asked a lot. Um, I think the starting point to that would be to just remind every Christian, as I did a few weeks ago in, in a sermon, every Christian is is called to do ministry. You know, Paul says in Ephesians 4 that the role of a pastor is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And so you're, if you're a Christian, like it's not show up to church and watch a sermon and sing a bit and maybe go to a Bible study. Like, that's great. Like you're there, you're present and you're engaging in the Bible, but that you're actually being equipped to do ministry. And that ministry might be at your workplace. It might be around the kitchen table with your kids or your roommates. Uh, it could be among your neighbors, but you're, you come to, uh, yes, praise the Lord and, and, and to be encouraged, but also to receive equipping to go out and do ministry. Uh, and so I, I think, um, that needs to constantly be reemphasized in today's kind of consumeristic uh, culture of church life, where it's just kind of almost like I'm, I'm going, where, where, what has the best show? What's the best product? You know, what, what's the best program for my kids? And rather than where's the best place for me to be equipped to go make disciples. And, and so I would select churches that are doing really good Bible teaching that are leading people in discipleship classes and in other ways that are equipping them to, to be faithful witnesses in the world. Um, the other thing I would say about the question of how to come alongside of those in vocational ministry uh, is just never underestimate the importance of encouragement um, and the little things. It really is the little things of being present, you know, um, be a person of your word. If you're supposed to do childcare, do childcare, you know, uh, it's the basic service in the church uh, from, you know, the unsung heroes who are in churches around the world that really continue to sustain and, and bless and enrich the church. Uh, I just wrote a book on the church and I dedicated the book to faithful church members who are these unsung heroes who are out there making the coffee or setting up the chairs or doing whatever. I mean, it's that is how you come alongside pastors 
and and that with coupled with encouraging words to them it would probably surprise and shock a, a lot of people to uh know how pastors are talked to and and the kinds of criticism that are leveled against them week by week and if and once pastors absorb that over a prolonged period of time it can really make them uh it can really affect them in, in manifold ways it, it can want to keep them from people altogether because they've been so hurt and wounded it can um make them somewhat jaded it can make them angry and, and want to retaliate all the time and and trying to maintain a level of integrity and still have relationships and be a really transparent pastor uh, is first of all we have to get our encouragement from the lord we have to you know receive the gospel afresh every day but encouraging words from faithful members uh goes a long way and this is true in any vocation right you can receive <laughs> a hundred high fives but you get one criticism or a handful of criticism and that's what you're going to bed thinking about you know that's what you're rolling around at four in the morning like i was doing today thinking about and so having having somebody who is just there to support to encourage and i'm not talking about flattery and i'm not talking about you know going overboard but just the steady you know uh, keep your head up man like you're doing great work thanks for your labor in the word this week and that sort of thing. Uh, for me, at least, that's uh, that that, uh, that goes a long, long way. Well, Tony, thank you for your time today. Yeah, man. And um, for those listening, um, if you're feeling the calling to vocational ministry, I'd encourage you to listen to this podcast over and over and know that there is a way, there is a path. Um, but for those of you who maybe don't feel that but want to support and still be in ministry tony's line is so important every christian is in ministry every christian is a part so tony you got a new book out tell us about that real quick and then we'll wrap up yeah so it's called love your church you can pre-order it right now it should be out by uh, the summer and it's about the privileges and responsibilities of church members and so this is not a book for church leaders it's a book for church members and it covers things like belonging welcoming assembling caring serving honoring uh, sending just the, again, the things we get to be a part of the privileges and the things we're being asked to do, you know, in a Bible believing church, uh, the responsibilities. So hopefully it's a book that will just help inspire and instruct Christians to serve their local church. Awesome. Tony, thank you for your time today. Thank you, bro. Listen to this quote by Tim Chalice. Did you know that you are a minister? That word minister isn't a job title. It's an action. A minister is simply someone who tends to another person. You minister healing to an injured person by bandaging their wounds. His title is doctor, but his job is to minister healing. You minister comfort to a hurt child by picking her up and cuddling her. Her title is mom, but her job is ministering comfort. And you minister truth to others by bringing God's word to bear on their life and circumstances. Your title is Christian and your job is to minister truth. What Tim is saying is so true. Every Christian has a ministry and purpose for the kingdom of God. I hope you will allow Tony's story to bring clarity to your life. God can use you right where you are. He simply just wants you to be faithful. And for those of you who may be struggling with a calling to full-time vocational ministry, remember Tony's word. A call to minister is a call to prepare. No matter where you are or at on this journey, use this time to prepare. Dig deeper. Grow in your understanding of theology and the scriptures. I'm Ethan Drum, and this is Christians You Should Know.